0: We continue on uh, this morning in our journey through Hebrews and uh, stories of faith. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Would you pray with me once again this morning? Father, we, we come to your word and we ask you to do what only you can do to change hearts. Father, we know our hearts and we pray that you would soften them, that you would incline them to you and to the good that you have for us. We pray that you would do this through your spirit and through your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen. Every once in a while in the wall household, uh, my son Jacob will go to the refrigerator and we'll hear sometimes from a different room, from the dining room, we'll hear him yell, What? We know that when he yells that it's because we're out of hot sauce. The little dude loves hot sauce on everything. I mean, I think he's tried it on everything except cereal and pancakes at this point. I remember when he was, I don't know, probably eight years old, the family, we were at a subway, not, you know, a train station, but a subway restaurant. And you go through and he had his bread and he had his meat and his cheese, and the person making the sandwich asks him what else he wants, and he says, jalapenos? and hot sauce, and the guy making the sandwich looked at us like, is he serious, are you going to let him do this, Uh, and we are, he loves it on everything, we have to convince him that he can eat food without hot sauce on it, yes Jacob, I know we're out of hot sauce, but you can still eat a ham sandwich, Jacob, you don't need hot sauce for your macaroni and cheese. He's not convinced. He needs it. You know, I'm I'm pretty sure my wife and I are right when it comes to hot sauce. It, it adds flavor. It's an extra. It's a condiment. It's not essential. But sometimes that same attitude can creep into other areas. That same attitude that it's not essential can even creep into religion. And our attitudes towards faith. I don't mean our attitude, I mean our attitude. And we can begin to treat faith as an add on that makes things a little bit better, but isn't essential. You can get by without it. As long as you do the religious thing show up to church, do good works, participate in worship. Faith makes those things better, but it's not essential. But Hebrews 11, all throughout our journey, has shown us that faith is essential. It was essential to proper worship. Abel didn't just offer a slightly better sacrifice than Cain because of his faith. His faith made his worship acceptable. Cain's lack of faith made it unacceptable. Abraham didn't just more fully experience the blessings of God because of his faith. His faith made it possible for him to experience the blessings of God. Last week we looked at Moses' story. Moses' story is one of faith. By faith, he was able to see what, apart from faith, was impossible to see. That it's better to sacrifice with the people of Christ, and for Christ's sake, than to gain all the treasures of Egypt. Faith was essential there. This morning, we're looking at three separate episodes of faith. But in each one of them, we see that faith was essential For the people in these stories to experience the deliverance, the salvation, that God had prepared for them. We saw this already once in the story of Noah. By his faith, he was saved from the floodwaters. Here we see it in three separate, distinct, but related, connected episodes of faith. The first episode is in verse 29. By faith, the people of Israel were saved from Pharaoh's armies. We know this story, right? The people of Israel had been suffering in slavery for some 400 years in Egypt. God had raised up Moses, who would be the one that would lead them out of slavery and lead them into the promised land. Moses had had come back to Egypt and had said, Pharaoh, God says, let his people go. And Pharaoh time and time again hardened his heart to what God was saying and said, no. And God had worked miracles through Moses to prove to the people of God and to prove to Pharaoh that he ought really, you know, let God's people go. Plagues of flies and locusts and boils and hail and darkness, all culminating in the tenth plague, the angel that killed the firstborn of every Egyptian household. The people had witnessed this. They had seen how God had saved them when they put the blood over the doorposts. And Pharaoh finally relents and lets the people go. They leave and get to the point where they're, well, facing the Red Sea. Pharaoh changes his mind. This is the briefest of overviews of this incredible story, changes his mind and with his armies, pursues the Hebrews. And now their backs are against the sea and they're facing uh, Pharaoh's armies. And what do they do? They need God to deliver them. They need to take this big step of faith. Not a blind leap, but a big step of faith. But it proved incredibly challenging for them. All along, they had seen God do miraculous things, but their first inclination wasn't towards faith. Their first thought was Moses, why'd you bring us out here? Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt to bury us? Why did you bring us out to the desert so that we'd be killed out here? Faith wasn't their first impulse. It wasn't for lack of evidence, right? they had a difficult time believing God. They had seen God perform miracles all throughout their deliverance from Egypt, and yet they still found faith incredibly challenging because of the hardness of their heart. Sometimes I talk to people and they say, you know, if God would show me some miracle, then I'd believe. I think that's misunderstanding the biggest hindrance to faith. The biggest hindrance to faith isn't a lack of evidence. It's the hardness of our hearts. Uh, The people of Israel had seen, and yet they still had a difficult time trusting. You fast forward to the New Testament, plenty of people saw the miracles Christ performed, and yet they had an inability to, To believe because of the hardness of their hearts here the people of God Israel has this incredibly difficult situation Red Sea behind them Pharaoh's armies pursuing them faith was difficult but in reality what choice did they have I mean fight Pharaoh's armies with your shovels and gardening hose they were not a trained army Uh, Were they going to try and swim across the Red Sea? Not a good option. Faith was the only option they had. God had brought them to this place, and they were in a situation where they had to continue to trust God to deliver. And of course God does. God makes a way through their faith where they could not possibly conceive of a way. And Moses holds his staff up, and the Red Sea parts and they cross through on dry ground. They're delivered from the land of slavery and their enemy, Pharaoh and his armies. The New Testament looks back to this Exodus episode as a great illustration, what we would call a type of the salvation that we experience in Christ. Moses and the deliverance of the people of God out out of Egypt points forward, is a, a wonderful, spiritual, prophetic symbol of how Christ leads us out of slavery to sin and death, out of the realm of sin and death, and delivers us from the enemy of our soul through faith. That's the first episode. By faith, God's people were delivered out of the land of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea. Uh, Before we leave that episode, just consider two other nuggets of truth from this story, if you will. First, think about what the Egyptians did. Israel crosses through the Red Sea on dry ground. What's Egypt do? The Egyptian armies, I should say. They pursue They step into that chasm between two walls of water, just like Israel did. They performed what I would call an act of faith, but without faith. They had courage. I'll give them that. But they didn't have faith. And the result was incredibly different, right? Israel was delivered. Pharaoh's armies were destroyed. They did the same thing, but one lacked faith. The Second nugget to consider from this story, this episode: Israel's faith, this incredible deliverance that they had experienced because of their faith, doesn't sustain their faith. Their faith eventually fails. They're delivered, and they see God's mighty hand as they're brought out of Egypt. They see, later on, God's presence at Mount Sinai. They witness just incredible things from God. But when they're brought to the brink of the land, they send out spies to spy the land out that God has promised to give them. The spies come back and say, The land is wonderful, it's flowing with milk and honey. Only problem The cities are fortified and the people are numerous and big. What are we going to do? And their faith fails them. They can't connect the dots between the God who had saved them from Pharaoh and God bringing them into the land. And their faith fails. The second episode, keep those all in mind here for a minute. The second episode. Fast forward from the Exodus, 40-some-odd years. Because that generation's faith failed, they never got to enter the Promised Land, save Joshua and Caleb, two faithful spies who said, yes, the land is great, yes, the people are big, but God can do it. Israel is condemned to walk around, wander in the wilderness for 40 years until that generation of faithless people, dies off. Now you have a new generation, and they're at the brink of the promised land, and they're told, go in and take it. The first obstacle is this city called Jericho. It's a fortified city, but God says, I have a plan. What you're going to do is you're going to cross the Jordan River, I'll make a way, And you're going to march around Jericho one time each day for six consecutive days. Don't make a sound. The seventh day, march around six times. The seventh time, march around and give a big shout. And the walls will fall and I'll give you the city. They do it. I can't imagine being a part of the camp when you hear this is the word of God from Joshua and he tells you this is God's plan, this is what we're going to do. This is a huge step of faith, right? We're going to cross into a land that isn't our own, it's hostile to us, and we're going to march around a city. Incredible step of faith. They had additional challenges to their faith. This generation hadn't seen God's miraculous deliverance from Egypt. They had heard about it, but they were living on hearsay and hope. They hadn't witnessed the parting of the Red Sea. They hadn't witnessed the plagues of Egypt and how God had saved them. They had to rely on their parents' testimony. When I look at this story, this one reminds me more of us. We weren't eyewitnesses to the great miracle uh, of our salvation that God brought forth in Christ. We didn't witness Him healing people. We didn't witness Him crucified for our sins or raised on the third day. Our faith rests on the testimony of those who did. I wonder if those in the desert contemplated to themselves the story that our parents told us. How accurate was it? Can we trust in their account? The same kind of questions we sometimes wrestle with. But they stepped out in faith. They stepped out in faith and did what God commanded them to do. And they were delivered into the promised land. The previous generation had been delivered out of slavery and out of bondage. Now, this generation is delivered into the promised land that God had guaranteed was going to be theirs going back to the time of Abraham. They stepped out in faith. But again, I'm going to ask you, what choice did they have? To wander in the desert? Continue to live without a land, without a a home? Try to fight fortified cities on your own? No, they stepped out in faith, but faith was the only real option open to them. Their faith, frankly, looked ridiculous, right? I mean, if you're standing on the wall and you're watching, not really an army, but a people walk around and march around your city, it would be hard to stifle the giggles. The plan looked ridiculous. Faith often does. When I penned that, the first person that came to mind... Was the missionary Elizabeth Elliot. Do you know her story? Uh, Her husband, Jim Elliot, and her, and a group of others, were missionaries in Ecuador. Jim had a passion to take the gospel to people who had never heard the gospel before, and God had laid on his heart a burden for the Aachen Indians. Uh, Through years of work, they finally kind of made contact that seemed to be friendly contact with this fairly vicious, unreached people group. Him and a man named Nate Saint and, and three other missionaries flew their little piper cub in and landed on a riverbed to meet with the Auken Indians. They didn't survive the encounter. All five of them were speared to death. Elizabeth was left back with her children Reason says, you pull up stakes and you go back home. Faith said, what I'm asking you to do is going to look ridiculous. Elizabeth Elliot stayed and continued to do the work, eventually lived with the Aachen Indians for two years, the same people group that had murdered her husband and five other, or four others. But Faith sometimes just looks ridiculous. The world looks at those of faith and says, what are you doing? But faith is what makes deliverance into the promises of God possible. The third episode is related to this. It also happens in the city of Jericho. It's centered around the woman Rahab. We see that in her story, faith brings deliverance from the wrath of God. The people were given the land, but Scripture makes it clear that God was using Israel to pour out his wrath on these Canaanite people who were wicked in the extreme. Rahab's appearance in Hebrews 11 is shocking on a lot of different levels. She's probably one of the most surprising. Her and Samson are kind of right up there with How do they make this hall of faith? She is a woman. Only her and Sarah are the the only women that make the hall of faith. She's a Gentile, and she's a prostitute living in the city of Jericho. But through her faith, she's delivered from the wrath of God. Like Noah, her faith saved her from judgment. This story is just incredible. Again, Israel sends spies out to the land to see and to recon the city. Uh, The king of Jericho hears that two Israelite spies are in his city, and he goes on a search for them. He comes to Rahab's house, where the spies are staying the night, and says, have you seen these men? Rahab has hidden them and says, nope, they were here, but they've left. If you, catch, if you leave now, you can catch up with them. Then Rahab goes up to the two men, the two spies, and says, we've heard the stories of what God is doing for you. How he fought for you against Pharaoh's army. How he parted the Red Sea. How he gave you other cities into your hands. I know He's given you this city. The people's hearts are melting with fear, she says. But I'm asking you to have mercy on me and my household. The spies agree and give her uh, a few things to do. Let down a, a scarlet cord out of your window. And that way we'll know which house is yours when we come against the city. She does that. And while the whole city is destroyed, her and her household are saved. From that judgment. And she finds her way into the lineage of Jesus. Incredible story of faith. But when you put her faith under the microscope, you wonder, what was the content of her faith? It, It had to be the most bare bones kind of faith. Did she know about the promises that God had made Abraham? Probably not. Did she know the stories of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph? Probably not. But she knew that God was powerful and had saved his people from Pharaoh and had been faithful to them over and over again. And she trusted that God could and would save her too. Just reminds us that that faith is not the same as knowledge, not the same as doctrine. Those things don't save. They're good. Don't get me wrong. I love doctrine. But it doesn't save. God saves. Faith lays hold of the salvation that God gives. Not knowledge and not doctrine. It begs the question, how much knowledge is necessary? It doesn't answer the question, but it begs it. I don't know, but I know Rahab had enough. She knew enough to have faith in the God who saves And she was saved. But again, what choice did she have? Was she just going to hold out hope that the city would stand where Pharaoh's armies had fallen? Faith was the only option. And her faith allowed her to be delivered from the righteous wrath of God three separate episodes of faith that brought salvation to a people or to a person. What are we supposed to to take from those episodes? What do we learn about the nature of faith? And as I was thinking about these stories this week, a few things came into maybe greater clarity through these stories. First, I think these stories remind us about the true nature of faith, that faith isn't a blind leap in the dark. The late Francis Schaeffer, the apologist and theologian, wrote a book called God is There and He Is Not Silent back in, I think, the 60s. In this book, he makes a distinction between faith in the biblical sense and what he calls faith in quotes. It's an incredibly important distinction. He tells a story, a fictional story, about hikers who are in the Alps. They're at at the peak, and a storm descends, and there's this great fog. They can't see in front of their face. If they stay on the peak, they're going to freeze to death before the fog lifts. One person decides in blind leap of faith type faith, to jump and hope they find a ledge below where they can seek shelter. They have no evidence for that. They have no reason to leap. But they leap. He says that's a blind leap of faith. That is not what Scripture calls us to. The same scenario, the group of hikers is up on the The peak. They're desperate. The fog, they can't see anything. They're going to freeze to death. But they hear a voice. A voice says, you can't see me, but I know right where you are at. Below me, or below you, ten foot down, there's a ledge. On that ledge, you can find shelter and ride the storm out. I've lived in these mountains my whole life. I know them like the back of my hand. Schaefer says that that still requires faith to drop from the peak down onto the ledge, but it's not a blind leap. He says, in that situation, if I was there, I'd ask questions from that voice. I'd say, How do you know these mountains? What's your name? Based on the name, he could probably ascertain that, yeah, they're mountain people or they're not. He says, that's what we're called to. We're called to step out in faith, but it is a reasonable faith. Each one of these stories, these episodes, the people were called to take big steps of faith. But God wasn't, them a- wasn't asking them to do it blindly. Blindly. He had shown his character time and time again to them. Rahab had the barest bones of knowledge, but even she knew that God was a God who saved. And she stepped out in faith, claiming that salvation, that deliverance for herself. That's biblical faith. There are reasons to believe. We're not called to leap blindly. The second thing that these three episodes, I think, clarify is that it's not faith that saves. Though you're probably thinking, Dan, didn't you just say that? I do. We use that as shorthand. It's not faith that saves. Faith makes possible for us to experience the salvation that God provides. When you look at these three episodes... Uh, the content, the character of these people's faith was, was different. The quality of their faith was different, I should say. The first generation's faith was, was fickle and weak and it failed, but it still saved. Second generation's was based on, well, not personal experience of the grand act of salvation in the Exodus, but testimony. Testimony. And Rahab's was bare bones. But it wasn't their faith that saved, it was God who saved. I think in our day and age, we've gotten some things reversed. For them, it was the object of their faith that saved, not the quality of their faith. Nowadays, we seem to assume that it's the quality, the sincerity of someone's belief that saves or that is, counts for something, not the object. That's backwards. Faith in yourself will not save you. Faith in anything other than God and in his provision for salvation in Jesus Christ cannot And will not save. Faith doesn't save. It lays hold of the God who does. The third thing that I think comes into focus is what to me has become maybe the biggest obstacle to faith. Thinking that there are other ways. Uh, Sir Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle wrote Sherlock Holmes. Through his character, Sherlock Holmes said, Once you eliminate the impossible, whatever's left, however improbable, must be the truth. The problem is, nowadays, we don't eliminate anything as impossible. We're taught from infancy that if you can dream it, you can do it. You can do anything you set your mind to, we're told, over and over again. You can be anything you want to be. Just do it. So nothing is eliminated, is impossible anymore. The problem is, some things absolutely are. Some things are. And finding a way out of Egypt out of bondage, to sin, slavery, death, on your own, it's impossible. Finding your way into the promises of God, into the promised land, into the salvation God has provided for us, on your own, it's impossible. Reconciling yourself to God through your good deeds, through your best intentions, through the sincerity of your faith, it's impossible. Faith is the only option. Faith in a God who saves. Faith in a God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to provide the salvation, to provide the way. Our biggest challenge to faith, I think, nowadays, is that we think there's other options. But there's not. These three episodes, to me, showed just the robust nature of the salvation God has prepared for us. Deliverance from our enemies. Deliverance from bondage. Deliverance into a great inheritance that He's prepared for us. And salvation from the righteous judgment of God. That salvation can be ours if we reach out and grab it through faith. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so grateful that you have made a way. Father, we pray that what you require of us, faith, you would give us. We know we can't conjure it on our own so we pray that you would soften our hearts you would open our eyes to see that there are no options there is no other way it's simply through faith in your son jesus christ by which we may be saved thank you in jesus name amen